At the Illinois State Republican Convention in the summer of 1858, the future President Abraham Lincoln stood up to speak on the most pressing human rights issue of his time, the abomination of slavery. Lincoln said, quote, A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half-slave and half-free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other, unquote. So often when it comes to the greatest human rights crisis of our day, the life-ending violence of abortion, it feels like 1858. With a population so sharply divided, compromise and understanding can seem unattainable. We are a nation deeply in need of empathy and understanding. We are a nation with divided hearts. Ben Watson is a Super Bowl champion and retired tight end in the NFL. Today, Ben is a national pro-life advocate, reminding America's conscience of the importance of faith, fatherhood, and mutual understanding. We speak with Ben on his brand new documentary, Divided Hearts of America. I'm Tom Shakely, and this is Life, Liberty, and Law. Welcome to Life, Liberty, and Law. I am Tom Shakely, coming to you from Americans United for Life, where we advance the human right to life in culture, law, and policy. And I'm joined today by Noah Brandt and our guest, Ben Watson. Ben, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great to be with you all. Yeah, Ben, it's so good to have you on today. We so appreciate your time. You know, we want to get into this awesome documentary, really amazing, can't recommend it enough, Divided Hearts of America. But before we do, I just want to spend a few minutes on you and your background and and, and how you've come to care about these issues. So, I mean, Ben, you have an amazing background from the NFL to now your life-changing advocacy in the name of the unborn. Uh, How did you get to where you are today? You know, I get that question a lot, and it's it's kind of where, you know, we all have our different... um travels and journeys when it comes to how we end up where we are and the things that we speak about. Uh, for me, um, I grew up in a household with uh, two parents who um, were believers, loved the Lord, uh, loved people, um, cared about serving people no matter uh, what their background was or what their situation was. That was modeled for me and my five, five uh, siblings uh, growing up. And, and I always felt like justice was important. And for me um, and my wife, you know, we, we try to live by a verse in Micah 6, 8 in the Bible that talks about doing justice, loving mercy and walking humbly before God. And so for us, uh, you know, advocating for the unborn, the most vulnerable among us, uh, for their mothers, for their fathers, for families that are in crisis uh, is a justice issue. Uh, and whether that is our advocacy in sex trafficking or uh, racial injustice, all those sorts of things for us kind of falls under the same umbrella. Um so there was never a time, I think, when I just decided about being pro-life. Um, we try to live in a way that is pro-life in a lot of different aspects. You know, that's so great to hear, right? Because so often, like, pro-life, pro-choice, all that whole conversation can just seem instantly political, right? It's like even to have that conversation, to use a label, yeah. it can kind of put people in their different camps. But to grow up that way, that sounds like just such an incredible gift, just to have that be a natural response. That sounds healthy to me. <laughs> definitely and, and you know i heard you 
uh, in the intro and, and even talking about um, the film Divided Hearts, you know, we are a nation that's divided and a lot of that is from politics. And and look, make no, no mistake about it, you know, this is a political issue. Every issue has political undertones um, because policy is how we um, legislate and how we how we you know rule in the United States of America. Um, but but certain things, in my opinion, should not necessarily be political. They should be you know, issues of conviction, issues of compassion, um, issues of bettering um, our country, bettering our, our neighborhoods and families, people that we're in contact with, loving other people. Um, but immediately when it comes to this issue, you're right, there is an immediate um, political connection. And that wasn't always the case, something that we talk about a lot in the film. I think, too, when you talk about, you know, the, the influence of, of Christian values, right, and the instantiation of that in family, just in everyday life, right, it helps show people maybe that the response can be like, it's like an abundance mindset, right, that that if we all kind of mm. put our hands in together, like, we build better families, better neighborhoods, better communities, right, and that eventually builds a better country. Indeed, indeed. Um, you know, th- this this issue of, of abortion, I think, affects us all. Um, there are so many people who are um, post-abortive or um, they, they, it's, they've been touched in some way by this, or maybe they don't even know, but they are one person removed. We are a nation that, that, is, that is hurting because of this. Um, we're a nation that has scars uh, because of this. Um, but to your point, we all have a role in building, in building families. We all, have, we all have a vested interest across the board in having a nation with strong families. Um, we can look throughout our history in the United States, but also the history of mankind and see that when the smallest social unit is intact in any society, that society is the strongest because values of that culture are passed down um, and there is correct order within the home as well as outside of the home. So it's vitally important that anything we do, um, that's another thing you know, my wife and I are, are really passionate about that is, is supporting supporting families because you know, th- that is where um, the, the not only the traditions, but the values uh, that that are important that we hold dear are passed down. Yeah, that's that's such a good point, Ben. And I know now you you at you devote a lot of your time to this advocacy, but you've, you've been an advocate on the issues for years. I wonder during your years when you were playing in the NFL and you're on these different teams, uh, what was it like? Did you ever talk to any teammates on these issues? I wonder if those conversations are like, I think about, you know, so my wife works in theater and it's a really progressive industry. You know, m- most people are, are big fans of abortion, unfortunately, and it can be challenging to have the conversations, but important it, in, in sort of the sports world, uh, what's, what's the general vibe and were you able to ever have an impact with some of your teammates or other colleagues? I felt, I felt like the vibe within um, the teams that I've been on and within professional sports in general is very, just like, just like any other occupation. You have people who um, are call themselves pro-choice, may call themselves pro-life, and there are a lot of people who simply don't think about it. Right. Um, when you look at America, I think that what I found is that you know we hear voices that are loud pro-choice voices or loud pro-life voices, uh, but a lot of America is simply in the middle and hasn't really considered the implications of this specific issue because they may not have been affected directly and may not even know how others around them have been affected. Um, because people don't talk about it a lot, a lot of times. And so, uh, you know, I've had conversations with other teammates that have agreed with me. Some have disagreed. Uh, the thing I've loved about being in the locker room is that whether we agree or disagree, we have a relationship, uh, there. And because that relationship I love that. Is there, there's a level of trust 
and there's a level of respect that we have for each other. And, and you and you knew going in, right, that whether you come out agreeing or disagreeing, that relationship, it had to continue, right? You had to continue being teammates, so you weren't going to leave hating each other no matter what. Exactly, exactly. And because of that relationship, I could take the time and take a breath <laughs> to listen and see <laughs> where my brother might be coming from, um, even if I vehemently disagree with him. Um, you know, you, you know how guys are. We'll have a knockout, dragout fight, and then be like, all right, we got to go to practice, and we got to keep, you know, we got to keep moving forward. Right. Um, but, but I think that that's what's that's what's missing a lot um, in the outside world because it is it is much easier simply to uh, dig in, dig your trench, um, don't listen to anybody that doesn't think like you, and and spew uh, venom at the other side, no matter what side that is. Well, Ben, you know, we were fortunate at Americans United for Life to uh, to get a, a view of your great film, Divided Hearts of America, at a screening recently. And you know, I was just blown away uh, by what you had put together. There's there's so much right now going on in the political world. And obviously, 2020 has just been such a bizarre year. To see this come out of it, it's like a gift, partly because it reminds us of, of what the world is going to look like when we return to it. Right? The world of yesterday <laughs> and hopefully of tomorrow. <laughs> right. People, people together and focused on building for the future. But you know, so Divided Hearts, uh, and, and for folks uh, who are listening along, if you want to pull up the trailer, if you go to your, your great website, thewatson7.com, you can find her. If you just Google Divided Hearts of America, you can find the trailer. But, you know, your film is structured around uh, a series. It's like dozens of interviews, right, you have with Americans from across the political spectrum, across the country, speaking about this issue uh, in their fields and, and as it pertains to just our common life as Americans, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was. It really was a journey. Um, you pretty much summarized it very well. Um, the the whole point, I think, was for me was to kind of get to the heart of America, knowing that we're divided. Get to why we're divided, how we got here, where are we going, how deep is that divide? Is there anything that can bring us back together? Are there any any ways that we can enter into civil discourse with it with an issue that is inherently emotional, as it should be. You know, whenever we're talking about life issues, there's going to be emotion, and that's understandable. Um, what we what we don't have a lot of is understanding maybe the humanity and the reasons behind uh, why people decide to do what they do. And so th- that was my goal. And also, to, you know, to talk to people, as you mentioned, that were in academia, people that were in politics. We spent time on Capitol Hill speaking with uh, legislators there, congressmen and women, um, talking to people that are in activism, uh, people that are in the faith community, uh, people that are not in the faith community, you know, people on, on both sides of the, of the aisle, and also those who have been directly affected uh, by abortion and even people who have survived abortions and those who have worked in abortion clinics. Because uh, when we're able to hear uh, people's stories, um, it may not and should not change our convictions if we're, if we're rooted in truth. Uh, but but it should it should inform how we address different people depending on where they're coming from. That's so right, you know. And you can go and stream Divided Hearts of America right now if you go to SalemNow.com. And I know the the film is also coming to all the different streaming platforms soon. I was struck mm-hmm. by you know in it you spoke with uh, a New York State lawmaker right, and there's that incredible quote from the trailer as well where he says you know when is a person a person when a person is born. 
you know, and it's like even I, in the sentence, I love Ben's you hear face that contradiction. there too. They sort of show they show your face for a bit, a bit, and you're like, okay, I, what what's I'm all trying to hold it together? <laughs> so, I mean, so many people think that Ben. I mean, it probably he seemed kind of awkward saying it because I don't think many people who view that say that very often. As he's saying it, he's realizing yeah. what he's saying. Right? Yeah. What, what was it like sitting there and hearing that, and sort of just you know, you were in the room with this another you know very smart, capable, accomplished person, and he's saying that a person is sort of given rights when they come out of the birth canal when they're a born human and not the minute beforehand how do we take that well well he's he's absolutely right from a legal perspective and, and i think that that's what we have to understand is that you know in, in this era that we live in right now um legally a fetus doesn't have certain rights until he or she takes her first breath um and so that's that's problematic obviously for someone who believes that, that life begins at conception. Um, but, but that's where we are. And so, you know, you can approach that a few different ways. You know, part of it is trying to change law, which obviously you advocate for. Uh, another way is trying to um, change the reasons why many women end up uh, being abortion-minded and getting abortion and addressing those. Um, and, and, and so that's what a lot of what he was talking about. That was uh, Gustavo Rivera from, from the Bronx, um, state senator. And I appreciate him because he was very honest. And that's right. And that conver- and that conversation really was was eye opening, um, eye opening for me in, in many ways. But I was appreciative because here was a guy who taught who thought totally differently. But as weird as it may sound, he was thinking about his constituents and what he thought may best serve them, even though I don't agree with him. So, you know, such a conversation that we may have at some time down the road or whatever it may be, you never know. You never know how your conversations are going to lead to changing people's minds. You never know. But you try to show people the utmost respect. And you mentioned my face. A lot was going through my head. <laughs> but I was <laughs> I like, bet. you know what? I'm, try- I'm trying to hear this guy's side. And as much as we have to swallow our pride sometimes, sometimes it's important that we just sit there and listen. That's right. And I think, you know, one of the beautiful things you do from a framing standpoint through the film is is the way you you literally walk and journey with so many of the folks that you speak with, um, you know, whether it's in front of the Supreme Court or, or just through a, a park. And, you know, I'm thinking of, of challenging stories uh, on the other end, the hopeful end, right, uh, was, was the one Ryan Bomberger shared, which is, you know, Ryan Bomberger from the Radiance Foundation. And he speaks, um, you know, as somebody who was conceived uh, in rape, right? And he makes the point that he is that exception. He is that 1% mm-hmm. that people talk about the hard cases where they say, you know, even folks who are pro-life who say, you know, well, I, I want to, you know, make sure that we we legalize, you know, the babies, but they forget that 1%. They say, but we can still keep it for rape and incest and those hard things. And Ryan says, you know, what about people like me? Yeah. yeah. His, his story is, you know, he, he opens up and says, I am that 1% that is used 100% of the time, but even by mm-hmm. pro-lifers. It's kind of like the, the concession that many pro-lifers that are conceived in rape. And, and quite honestly, when we talk about, you know, the politics of it, there is a give and take. Unfortunately, it's sad to say that when it comes to a child's life, you know, there's going to be some sort of collateral damage or there's going to be some bargaining that goes on. But within the halls of Congress, that's how that's how things work um, to try to get the most good of what of what can happen. Um, but that does not mean that those lives aren't still important. And you look at a guy like Ryan, you look at what he's done with his life. You, you know, you hear his story um, and it's vitally important that we hear those stories so that we so that we think differently. The, the, the thing is, 
we have to acknowledge and we must acknowledge the horror of rape. And we must right. acknowledge the fact that, that many women, um, men who are, are, are involved with that, you know, if, if it's their girlfriend or their wife, whatever it may be, it is a real feeling to want to get an abortion. We can never dismiss that and say that, you know, and question them. Why would you want to do that? Of course they would want to do that. I mean, think about the horror of what they were going through. Sure. We, we must also we must also acknowledge the fact that that's not going to bring that child. That's not going to uh, correct what happened to them. As Ryan said, right. that's that's two traumas now. Um, and so that, that that takes that takes more than yelling and screaming at people. That that takes entering to someone's experience if they're in your family or a friend or you know them. That takes having compassion upon them. That takes maybe supporting and walking them through this decision. And it also takes, you know, if somebody's made a horrible decision in the past, giving them some sort of redeeming value on the other side. Because there are a lot of people who are walking around that have made these decisions and they feel like they are invaluable or unsalvageable where we know God is a God who can restore um, even the most heinous things that, that, that we've done. That's right, Ben. You know, we are broken, guys. Like, we don't acknowledge that mm-hmm. enough. And so often we hear, you know, in that political context, right, people say, well, I had a bad experience. You know, I was talking to somebody who's pro-choice and basically, you know, they were mean or cruel to me or something. Or people have the opposite. You know, I was talking to somebody who said they were pro-life and they were callous. You know, they were unfeeling. Right. And it's like at a certain point we have to bracket that stuff and say, look, we're broken. We're not the most articulate. Yeah. We're not always the most winsome witnesses to what we believe. Um, but if sometimes we, we're downright bad witnesses. We, that's believe, right. Yeah. That's right. But if we put that stuff aside, right, and then realize like we're we've still got to be neighbors at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Ben, yeah. you, it's so so powerful. The whole film you stitch together dozens of fantastic interviews with really interesting people. You know, one that really stuck with me was when you interviewed one of my favorite members of Congress, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, I wonder if you want to speak to that or any of these great interviews that you can remember that really stick out to you and made an impact on you. Definitely. Um, you know, Senator Scott is, is, is a friend. I, I, my family lives in South Carolina and I went to high school in South Carolina after moving there from Virginia. So when I call him up, he's like at your service because he is my senator. And so I should be able to go to his office whenever because I'm from South Carolina. Um, You're a constituent. That's great. (laughs) Exactly. And my parents are. And so never mind the fact that he is an incredible man. He is, he is someone who lives his faith. It's not fake. I've sat in his office with him. And he has offered me advice in the 10 minutes, more advice in the 10 minutes I've been able to sit with him than I may get from other people in an hour. And all of it being straight, um, you know, from Scripture and from the Holy Spirit. And so I truly appreciate his his point of view. And even if you disagree with him politically, I think that many people have a respect for him because of, of how he tries to, you know, live his life, not perfectly, but how he tries to um, advocate for people. And so, um, you know, ha- having him be a part of it, you know, going to Capitol Hill, see me, I actually brought my daughters with me when we did our Capitol Hill shoot. And so uh, there are pictures of her sitting there in the office with uh, Senator Scott as well That's as awesome. um, uh, Dr. Carson and uh, all these other people um, that, that I, I brought them uh, with me because it was important that for, for them to see it. So many interviews, as you mentioned, and, and unfortunately, there were many that you know, we just couldn't fit into the ni- into the ninety minutes. Yeah, that makes um, sense. That was so that was so full of full of great content that we hope to even release at some point later on. 
did this give you, you know, empathy, the filmmaking experience, you know, for, I think, you know, it's, we often criticize like the mainstream media, right? Cause it's, they'll, they'll be doing an interview with, it doesn't matter anybody. And then it's always, the criticism is always, well, they cut it to make the person look a certain way. Right. Right. And I know it's the same, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a feature film, right? You've got, like you just say, how many hours on the cutting room floor that you just can't fit in. And when you're telling that narrative, did, you, did that give kind of empathy for that struggle we have culturally to tell the story right, even when you have to <laughs> yeah. cut stuff out? For sure. But you can also see how easy it would be to craft a message. You know, we have an, we, when you're sitting down with somebody for an hour, for 45 minutes, as I sat down with all of these people, you can easily craft um, a certain narrative or paint certain people in a, in a certain way. And what I did not want to do um, was to immediately paint one side as bad and the other side as good. Cl- clearly, I, I, I stand on the side of life. I'm, you know, I'm an advocate for that. We, we support, you know, men, women, and, and their unborn children in a variety of different ways. But, but I did not want those who who would be pro-choice or those who would be kind of in the middle to be painted in a way um, that would make them never want to talk to me again. Right. Um, and, and so the, the, there is a challenge. There is a bias. And it's very, 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 very easy to do. But I, I do have respect for those that are in the film industry because good night. Um, this <laughs> Tough has job. been a long process. <laughs> yeah. And we've had three or four delays. It was supposed to come out several months ago. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's been pretty intense. Have you been pretty involved, Ben, with the with the editing and sort of as the as the film has evolved into what it is today? Yeah, we had a great editor, um, director, Chad Bonham. Um, who has uh, done a few other films? Um, you know, our, our team of him, uh, Elizabeth Kennedy Roswitz, and Jason Jones, and C.R. Davis, a small team of five people, but but Chad did most of the editing. Uh, but we were all kind of involved. You know, every every time there was an edit, uh, we would we would review it. We would say, you know what? I want this person in. Take this person out. Um, but at the same time, being a story creator, you realize that you have to allow the story creator to create the story as well. And right. so there's a fine line between taking over on something that's not your job and giving your constructive criticism that your constructive input. Yeah. You know, another person you speak with in the movie is the state senator Katrina Jackson from Louisiana. And we've had her on this show before. And she's such a hero to AUL. Yes. Yeah. Such a hero for us. And I, I really a, a model mm-hmm. for advocates across the country. Uh, what's what was it like speaking to her on these issues? Katrina, Katrina, Katrina. So <laughs> I was at New Orleans Saints uh, last year, or two years ago. I finished up last year, uh, this past season with the um, New England Patriots. But we were living in New Orleans, uh, two, New Orleans two years ago. And I saw her speak on the state Senate floor in Louisiana. And we were trying to find interviews. We were talking about different people. And I saw her, this speech on YouTube, didn't know who she was. And I went online to her government email and just cold emailed her. That's awesome. I love Benjamin that. Watson. Um, I'm in New Orleans. Uh, play for the Saints. Benjamin Watson, the f- famous football player. He, he, <laughs> exactly. She could have thought you were faking I'm like, it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way she's going to email me back um, because I'm this random dude. So I email her. Don't get her. Um, find a phone number for, <laughs> for, her, for, her, for her office. I called the phone number for the office. Um, and eventually, I do get a response from her. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, she hit me back. So then it was a matter of, you know, we don't we didn't have a big budget for the film. We're not flying people in this, that and the other everywhere. So it's a matter of, OK, when can we meet up somewhere? We did the interview with her in Chicago. We were in Chicago doing some some interviews. She was traveling. We ended up getting her to come up, interviewed her there. And 
I really say we've been friends ever since. She is an inspiration um, for all that she stands for. Um, and, and really, people like her show that this is not necessarily a political issue. There are people that consider themselves to be pro-life that wear red and wear blue. That's right. Um, She's a prominent Democrat. It's not to- exactly. There are Christians in both parties. There are pro-life people in both parties. There are pro-choice people in both parties. There are non-Christians in both I mean, there are people in both parties, and people align themselves with different parties that we have two of them for different reasons reasons and so she she's been you know really uh, she was a great interview um number one but she's also an inspiration yeah you know something that that uh senator jackson talked about when she spoke with us on here was just the amazing right amount of time it took so that that law that the supreme court ended up reviewing just this past spring was passed in 2014 yeah. right so 2014 to yeah. 2020 uh, and i wonder if is do you feel do you feel like this movie that's coming right coming out right now is it a reflection of of last year of 2020 or of of this of what you hope to see in the future does it feel like this you know all these things that you've been working towards that are finally sort of available for people to see. What do you hope when people watch this, you know, maybe in October of 2020 or November of 2020 or later, what do you hope people get from the movie? <clears throat> well, I remember sitting there uh, with my first time in the Supreme court was this past March. Um, when Katrina's, uh, when the opening arguments uh, were heard in Katrina's case and I sat beside her in the Supreme court. And I remember thinking about the movie at that time. We'd already interviewed her and every, and everything. We, you know, um, but I remember thinking that I wanted the film to be evergreen. And yeah. clearly, this is a you know we're at a moment right now that the impetus for the entire journey that I went on was when New York passed the Reproductive Health Act, and Illinois passed their laws, and in Georgia and Alabama passed heartbeat bills, and so that was the impetus of of, of, of the film and just the idea to to take this journey. Um, but as I look at where we are right now in fall of 2020, I realize that this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. You know, the, the, these laws are, are, are entrenched. The landscape now is that, you know, abortion on demand is a law of the land. Um, it quite possibly could be overturned um, at some point in the near future, or it cannot be overturned for 20 years or, or never. What does that mean for people who say that they are pro-life? What does that mean for people who say that they're pro-choice? How do we address people, even if we can't change policy? Because it it is so important to enter into people's experiences, to address people's issues, to address their why holistically, even if we can't, with the magic wand, change any policy. And so what I want people to take away from it, I want people to, to walk away from the film Maybe maybe learning something because this is a documentary; it's not propaganda. So maybe learning something about uh, abortion, about um, the history of it, about how it affects people today, but, but also being motivated to get involved in possibly a different way than they had before. I want people's advocacy to be challenged. Um, I want their convictions on either side to be challenged. I want them to walk away thinking about this in some different way and motivated to do something else. That's such a great vision, Ben. You know, you're a public figure. You and your wife have been uh, building a beautiful family together over the course of, you mentioned your NFL career, and, and now your work as a documentarian and advocate for life. I'm curious, you know, what was it like building your great family together, knowing, you know, you're doing this like in public to some degree? Was that difficult? It's all we've known. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's funny because you always look at, 
other people and say, oh, I'm not like them. And so, you know, I've been in the NFL, but I've not been the quarterback, so I'm not under as much scrutiny. <laughs> I've been in the NFL, but I'm not a musician, you know, so I'm not, I don't feel like I'm super public. Whereas other people, you know, may, may look at me and be like, man, you're in the public. People, you know, what is it like being in the public eye? So for us, this is just kind of what we've been, and it doesn't seem any any different, quite honestly. I think the difference now is that, you know, not being in the NFL and going back to kind of, you know, figuring out what this life is going to be like as, as we transition out. You know, but for my kids, you know, this is, the, this is the first season that they are not going to football games, that they didn't go to training camp. I mean, that my oldest is 11, and uh, this, is, this has been her whole life. Um, it's been all my kids' whole, whole life. You know, it's all revolved around football. And so it is quite different for us, but um, it's something that, that, that we knew was coming at some point and something that, you know, we're trusting that God kind of lead us into whatever that next thing is going to be. Do you have, you know, encouragement for the mother or the father, maybe just finding out that they're expecting, um, maybe not expecting to be expecting, or maybe those with, with growing families, but who are struggling, you know, about how to make it through whatever, whatever the season of, of struggle or striving they're, they're facing might be. Yeah, um, th- there's so many, especially as we think about where we are right now with, with COVID and pandemic and, and um, you, you know, no matter what you think about it, you know, people are struggling economically, they're struggling with their health. Um, there are so many, so many doubts, I think, that, that so many people have. And, and then when you add a child into that, you know, the most difficult thing in a relationship is, is either finances or family issues. <laughs> and adding a child is always hard, um, whether it's an unexpected pregnancy or even if it's a planned pregnancy, because you never know right. what circumstances are going to happen. And so for the fathers, it's, you know, you have what it takes. And not only do you have what it takes, you are needed. We need you. Mm, your family needs you. The mother, the mother of your child needs you. Society will have you believe that men are buffoons, that men are, um, you know, that they, that they are incapable, uh, that they are transient, uh, that they are, are, are noncommittal. And while some of those things may be true for individuals, um, I, I look at it the other way and say, you know, let, let's call men to a higher standard. And, and, and if we fall, if we fail, which we all will, it doesn't change the standard. It has changed our performance, and it makes we we have to get back up and keep on going. And so, whenever I'm talking to young men, I'm talking to myself because none of us have this whole thing figured out, and we are all one step from stupid. But to the man, who, <laughs> but to the man who is whose girlfriend is pregnant, whose wife is pregnant, who is considering walking away, we need you to be who God has equipped you and made you to be. And you are not alone. There are others who will stand beside you. To the woman, what a great gift. The Bible says the children are a gift from the Lord, even if conceived in circumstances that were not planned. Um, the ability to bring life into the world is, is truly magical. And so with that, there are people who will support you, walk beside you. You may not know them now, but I promise you that they are out there and they can't wait to walk beside you through this. That's amazing, Ben. You know, as we think about Divided Hearts of America, such, such an evocative title, you know, and it's true. The hearts are divided on this topic and others across America. What's, what's an, your optimistic look forward? How, how, how do we start bridging this gap and getting to a place where, like President Lincoln said, to where we aren't a house divided, where we can all sort of at least see eye to eye enough to stand together as Americans? 
you know, we, 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 we start off from a place of, of love and we throw that word around a lot, you know, but love isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion. Uh, love is a decision that, uh, brings forth action on the behalf of the object of its affections. And those actions are sacrificial. They are for the betterment of that person, whether they can help us or not. And so when you love someone who is different than you or love someone who can do nothing for you, that's when you're truly exhibiting the love of Christ. And, and that's the hope is that that embodies us and that that motivates us to engage in this issue from, from a, place, a place of love. And you never have to sacrifice conviction or truth to love. And then, you know, people in different spheres, wherever you are, if you're in politics, you know, you push as hard as you can from a legislative standpoint, not only to overturn Roe, Roe v. Wade or to, you know, make abortion illegal, but to help people that are statistically in situations where their numbers seem to be higher. And a lot of that is tied to economics. So how can we, you know, create equity, create um, a buffer to where someone who is, you know, maybe not as economically able doesn't feel like this is a choice. How do we legislate to protect families and to keep men at home? Um, how, how do we advocate for those things? If you're someone that's in, that's in healthcare, you know, how are you talking to the patients that come into into your doors? If you're someone that that's in, a faith leader, maybe you, you're a pastor, or maybe you're a deacon, or or you teach Sunday school, whatever it may be. How are you bringing up these issues with the people that are in your sphere of influence? Um, we all have a sphere. So, so I think that we all can do something specifically about this issue, but it has to be intentional if you really want things to change and people to think about uh, the, the, the implications of their decisions. Um, we can't just assume that it's going to happen if we don't even have the courage to bring this up. Well, Ben, if folks have been enjoying this conversation, they can't stop here. They got to go on SalemNow.com and watch Divided Hearts of America. Got to watch the movie. Got to Google it. Find it's it on so the streaming good. services. It's so good. You know, thank you. And it's like, yeah, Ben, thank you so much for making this film, first of all. This is such a, a public service, really. It's something that we need in this moment, I think, especially this year. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you all. I appreciate the support. And yes, I can't echo enough. I want people to see the film, but most importantly, I want. You know, I want lives to be changed and I want lives to be saved. So, Ben, something we do every show is our shot of gratitude. We just share something we're grateful for. I think we've been doing that a lot kind of naturally in this conversation. That's but right. Let's try, let's try to close it out. Ben, what is something that you are grateful for? Well, I am grateful right now. Um, I am at home doing this podcast with you all, and I have seven kids at home by myself. <laughs> That's and, amazing. What, and what, what's and the my, age spread among your kids at this point, Ben? What's the age spread? Uh, okay, 11, 10, 8, 7, 5, and identical twin boys that are 16, actually 17 months in two days. Oh, my Beautiful. Gosh. Beautiful, man. Such, yeah. an easy, and, and such, so, such an easy thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, it's not that I can't handle it because, men, you guys can handle it, even though they don't believe you, you can. And they write you little lists for checklists, but you can do it. <laughs> Um, but I have a, I, my shot of gratitude is, is to my wife because there have been many days and many weekends, uh, when I was, you know, playing across the country, she was here by herself, getting it done, didn't skip a beat. Um, kids all got down for bed at seven forty-five, 
as usual. Everybody was fed. Um, and she took care of everything, including me, uh, when I come home and can barely move because I just played a football <laughs> game. And so, uh, my side of gratitude today is to my wife, Kirsten Watson, who is also, um, executive producer on this film. That's so beautiful. That's amazing. I love that. Love that structure. Love that order. Such a great gift. You know, my shot of gratitude is uh, is just free speech right now. I'm thinking this film in particular, you know, we, we have a lot of debates about the nature of speech, about what we're saying, whether it's good or bad. But I think back, you know, when Roe first came down, you know, and, and pro-life folks were trying to get the message out, you look back to some of those earliest uh, media endeavors, right? Things like Silent Scream, uh, or more recently, like Live Action's great work with their animated shorts showing what abortion involves. And, you know, back in the day, these things were like VHS tapes that you had to like pass Secretly, in manila envelopes, right? right? Don't and tell so anyone I got it. Just the fact that, you know, it's like as, as contentious as things are that you can pull this up online on Salem Now and you can pull it up on your streaming services and just see it in your home, especially in this year when so much of normal life has been disrupted. That is a huge, huge thing to be grateful for. What about you, Noah? What's something you're grateful for? Yeah, that's that, those are great things, Ben and Tom. You know, I'm grateful for my little brother, uh, Chaim. He, uh, he's flying all the way from Florida down here to Washington, D.C. to help me uh, move a lot of things, do a long drive. So I'm excited. You're getting back to the heartland, Noah. That's right. I'm heading, heading, heading back to Missouri. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's uh, sacrificing some of his time and muscle to uh, help me and spend some time with me. Well, Ben, thanks again for joining us. And uh, thanks for letting us uh, take some time as you're, you're on uh, dad duty here. Uh, and uh, we'll let you get back to it. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And um, look forward to visiting with you again. God bless. Thanks, Ben. All right. If you enjoyed our conversation with Ben Watson, if you're excited to see Divided Hearts of America, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen. Rate Life, Liberty, and Law and leave a review. Let a friend know you're listening to the show. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, just email us at life at AUL.org. I am Tom Shakely, and until next time, thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Law.